Welcome to Fem Lead, the podcast on female leadership and role models. This show aims to inspire and equip you with the tools you need to navigate your career plans. Fem Lead brings inspiring career perspectives and strategies to guide your path to success. Your host, Alexandra, will interview role models on new exciting topics with each episode. If you like what you hear, give us a review and subscribe to the show on your preferred streaming platform. Enjoy. Hello, everyone, and welcome to a new episode of FemLead. Thank you again for joining us today. I know that for the last few episodes, we've been talking about the new season, and we have uh, exciting guests. We have new topic, but today it's a special episode. Um, today, we will talk about something that um, some people don't know exactly how to interpret, something that has to do with personal growth. And um, I've invited an old friend and a former podcast guest from season one to join us for this conversation. If you've listened to season one, you know her very well. We've had a talk on emotional intelligence and a live Q&A. And uh, today we will talk about unlocking or manifesting your potential with Antisa Jensen. Welcome, Antisa. It's great to see you here today. Thank you again for joining us. Um, we've been in touch already for more than a year, uh, but welcome again to, to a new episode. Thank you. I'm so happy to be back. So for those of you who haven't uh, heard of Antisa Jensen, she is an emotional intelligence, uh, emotional intelligent expert and coach, and she's the founder of Adventure Awake. And she now impacts the life of many, many people uh, trying to find uh, the best uh, in themselves. Uh, you're coaching a lot of people and you're having a lot of groups where you're really trying to improve people's lives. Uh, after 12 years in finance, Antisa decided to take time to know who she is. And now she's uh, really uh, involved in the emotional intelligence, intelligence uh, field. And for this episode, because you've all shared with me some of the feedback that you really liked Antisa's conversation about uh, emotional intelligence the first season, I've decided to invite Antisa again and talk about potential, human potential. And uh, to start with Antisa, we've just chatted about this before I started the recording, but I wasn't sure if I should ask you, what does it mean to manifest your potential? But then should I use unlock? And I wasn't sure what's the best uh, phrasing for this. So I would ask you, do we say manifest your potential or do we say unlock your potential? What does it mean? What's the difference between the, the two concepts? I love that we're starting with this because as you know, language is like my bread and butter and how we speak is so indicative of how we feel and the reality that we experience. And I, uh, at first glance, when I see the word manifest, I, of course, am kind of like, oh, that feels a little woo-woo, you know? And and I love me a good woo-woo, so don't get the wrong idea. I am, you know, a witch with the best of them at times. But <clears throat> there's a way in which our relationship to the word unlock and the word manifest influences how we think about our actions, our thoughts, and our relationship to our own growth. And I often find that there's a way in which manifestation feels external. It feels like it's we're trying to take something that is outside of us and bring it inside of us. When I talk about unlocking potential, it's really quite literal. You're, there's, there are parts of you that are not potentiated inside of your 
soul, let's say, that can get unlocked. And as a result, you become more of who you already are. And oftentimes when people think of manifestation, they think they need to become someone else. They need to go find that person. And those of you who are watching the video, it's like, I'm here and I need to be over here. And actually what needs to happen is you need to kind of turn yourself inside out. You know, you need to bring more of what's on the inside out, which is an unlocking. And that's one of the reasons why I say on my website that you hold the keys and I shine the light on the door. It's like, you can unlock this yourself. It does absolutely help to have a coach or a guide or a teacher who can help show you where to look, but it has absolutely nothing to do with um, seeing something outside of you and then like trying to grab that outside thing and like bring it in, um, which feels way more of a um, impossible task or an impossible standard to live up to from many, many people. And that language change actually can, can really lock it in to use that word again. Mm-hmm. So we then unlock our potential. Yeah. What does it mean to know, first of all, about your potential? How is it, what is, what it, what does it mean? Because we do hear about the fact that um, you didn't play at your potential. You didn't uh, show up at your potential. You have more potential. What does it actually mean? How do you know what's your potential? Well, when I think of potential, I think of physics, (laughs) which is kind of a funny thing to say, but um, we have um, a limited amount of energy that is available to us. And sometimes we use that energy on things that Um, are not uh, helpful or do not serve us. And when you talk about um, something not meeting potential, what people are often pointing to, which they don't have the language for, is entropy, which is unpotentiated energy. And in, from, from a physics standpoint, that just means that the energy is not directed in anywhere in any specific place. And um, ideally, we're all energetically efficient and our energy is going to the places where Um, it, it should go. And one of the more businessy ways that this is talked about is like staying in your area of genius. Have you heard that before? So I would, I would say like, there is a necessary part of the growth process, which involves figuring out what your area of genius is. Um, it's one of the reasons why I love the entrepreneurial journey so much is that in order to start a business, you usually kind of have to be the all in one wear all the hats person. And then as you grow and evolve and mature as an entrepreneur, you learn which hats you're really good at wearing and can do really well. And then you learn which ones to outsource and do and have other people do. So figuring out what your potential is, is of course the life journey. It requires research. It requires investigation and experimentation. It requires Um, relating to different types of people so that you can get reflection. You know, if you live in a cave in the middle of nowhere, you might never see um, through the reflection of other who you are capable of being, which, you know, many people experience because they stay connected only to the same people all the time. They don't have the variety in their life to potentially see who they are from a different angle or perspective. Um, So that's what I would call potential is, is what you are capable of. And the truth is, is that um, we are all born with unique capabilities. We are all born with unique gifts that need to be cultivated throughout our life. And that is what the potential is. Um, I think people misuse the word to induce shame and guilt and 
not good enoughness. I think that that's a dangerous area of the conversation around potential. But the truth is, is that we all have potential towards something. It's not going to be the same for everybody. And that's also something that needs to be honored um, and respected is that like your potential is going to be different than mine, even though we're both ambitious women, you know, like it's going to look different for you. Your path is going to look different because it's your path. It's not my path. Does that make sense? Mm -hmm. It does. And link to this, I want to ask you, because you said that um, we all have the zone of genius and uh, we will find out about what our zone of genius is, or we might not find out what our zone of genius is in different, you know, uh, places, uh, in different places in the world, the times of our lives, um, situations that we're going to be in. Externally, what do you think influences having this realization of your zone of genius? Because if if you look at the example you just gave with um, being in a cave and not knowing anything about the outside world, for example, it's very similar to um, sitting in a, in a setup, being in a setup where everybody thinks the same, eats the same, has the same routine. And once you go outside of that uh, bubble you're in, let's say, um, you might have this realization, right? Does it take people? Does it take, um, you know, being more risk-taking? Does it take um, not wanting to be in the same space for long so you actually have this opportunity to, to explore more? What does it take to kind of position yourself in a situation where you, you can find your zone of genius? This is a really good question. And the thing I want to preface it with is if you are feeling a call to be something greater than you are, that's for you. And there are many people in the world who I genuinely believe are in their zone of genius or their area of genius, living the lives that they're exactly living. And it may not look that great to you. You know, like you and I have had this conversation before that your most exalted posture may not be the same as your parents' most exalted, exalted posture. You've moved here from, from Romania. Like you've, you've lived a tremendous life by comparison and that doesn't make the life of the people who birthed you wrong or somehow unambitious. I think that that's a really important thing to consider. And so people who are even asking themselves this question, which is the majority of your audience, by the way, but it's really important that the people who are asking themselves this question realize that not everybody is asking themselves this question. Not everybody else is trying to potentiate themselves and make themselves better. And I think that that's a really important piece of compassion to have locked in when you're on this journey, because um, then you can truly compassionately begin to seek what it is that you need to know about who you are in order to discover the answer to the question that you're asking. And that is, um, there isn't a tried and true prescriptive journey for that. And so how do you find out you live your life? You take teachings from everything. You take teachings from a leaf. You take teachings from a cup of coffee. You take teachings from, um, first and foremost, all of the areas of your life where you get triggered. Like that is probably the best way to find out what you're here for. And um, because usually your potentiation is lying underneath the places where you do not have capacity and are reactive because you're protecting a part of yourself that you are afraid of. 
and instead projecting it onto other people and making it wrong, which is how you keep it buried. So that's probably the hardest piece of the personal growth journey. You and I have had lots of conversations around that on in other venues. I have been on that journey. I had to look at my family, my family of origin. I had to look at friends, relationships that I've been in and all of the places where I was on lockdown so that I could unlock, we're using this word game really, really well now, so that I could unlock the potential that was lying underneath the places where I was in self-preservation. So if you're listening to this or watching this and you are genuinely interested in seeing what you're made of and what you're here to create, the first place to look is where you get triggered. And that's one of the reasons why I teach emotional intelligence is because to know your reactive blueprint is like getting the keys to the castle. And it's, it's priceless to do that work. Do you think that um, if we get triggered and uh, we don't want to look at this situation because we're not aware of, you know, the fact that this might be just a place where you need to grow, <laughs> um, are there any way ways for us to be aware of this without going through an emotional intelligence coaching session or generally therapy or other sort of personal growth journeys? Because I feel like even if we speak about it, it's not, it's not a concept that sticks with you when you are in a fight or in, when you are reactive to something that happens at work or with your family or when your mom calls and you're not in the right mood. You're not going to think about, oh, Antisa said in this interview that if I'm triggered, I should look at it because this is where I'll grow. How do you become aware of it? Not by necessarily understanding the concept, but is there any, any way of uh, maybe asking yourself some questions um, in, in just in your daily life that maybe in time will take you to this uh, personal growth journey to understand yourself better? Yes. The short answer is yes. And I say this, Um, unapologetically as a person who is in this industry, who, you know, I, it's weird to say profits off of it. My livelihood is paid for by this. I charge money for the services that I offer. And um, it is possible to get this growth without ever taking a personal development course. And um, I know this because I know people who have never taken a personal development course who are very emotionally mature who are just as emotionally mature as I am. I needed the coaching. I, I definitely needed the coaching. I did every, I had exhausted my resources. I had traveled the world and I needed, um, I needed help guiding me so that I could, um, I, I was, I was not interested in wasting time. And one of the things that I find is that if time is not of the essence to you, then you can of course take your time and just explore these things at your leisure And in that case, we have an eternity. I was interested in maximizing on each moment. And so I wanted, and this is one of the reasons why investing in a, in a coach is so valuable is that you really save time and time is very valuable for me. And so um, that's what I would recommend if you're interested in saving time. If you're just interested in getting to know, you know, I, I genuinely had this burning inside of me that I had a mission that I was here to do. And that I didn't have access to the parts of myself I needed in order to achieve that mission. And that was why it was worthwhile for me to invest hundreds of thousands of euros in um, getting the support that I needed. And it was absolutely worth every penny for me. Um, there are some simple things that you can do. The biggest one is to focus on your receptivity. Sometimes it's helpful to have a mirror for that is 
are you open or are you closed in any environment? Can you practice being more open in any environment? That means, are you willing to hear things that you don't want to hear? Are you willing to see things that you really don't want to see? We live in a whitewashed world where, you know, we, we can't listen to people who think differently than us. Practice listening to people who think differently than you. Tra- practice compassionately being curious about people who think differently than you. Practice looking at people who are in despair, who like, you know, go travel the world and see third world countries where people live differently than you do and learn to love that, learn to receive it. For me, being receptive doesn't mean that you agree or disagree or that you believe or disbelieve. It's really a neutral stance of being able to stay open in the face of anything, whatever it is, being able to stay open. The challenge is that most people are in what's called sympathetic dominance, which means their nervous system is lopsided and they are using more energy managing their sympathetic nervous system than their parasympathetic nervous system. And the sympathetic nervous system is what revs things up. And the parasympathetic is what calms things down. They're both necessary. And in the Western world, we have given um, value and sort of tangible betterness to the things that rev us up, like peak experiences, and have devalued the things that calm us down or that have us feel satisfied with our lives. And so um, I have found that breath work, which is free, you can find breath work videos on YouTube is very, very helpful for learning how to manage your nervous system. Because if you try to open and you're the type of person who gets triggered by sensory input, you're very likely to get triggered by the first thing that you attempt to open to. And that could result in paralysis for months. And so depending on what your background is, if you have a traumatic event that you haven't recovered from or healed from in your childhood, it could be, um, it could create additional trauma. It could re-traumatize you. And so getting to a place where you have a a self-regulated, stable and strong nervous system is very important. It's one of the things that I work on a lot with my clients and things like breathing are fundamental to that because you stimulate the vagus nerve, which activates the parasympathetic nervous system. And usually what happens when we're um, in sympathetic dominance or triggered in any way is our breath is the first thing that goes out the window. We're not breathing. We're not taking full breaths. We're definitely not exhaling. And when you do exhaling oriented breathing exercises, you strengthen the vagus nerve and it creates more resilience. And so if you don't have the means to hire a coach, um, there are lots of free resources. Breathwork is one of them that you can pay for breathwork um, courses as well. There's many like Wim Hof has a great, has great breathwork stuff. Joe Dispenza teaches breathwork. He's got free meditations on his website. There's tons on YouTube. There's tons on insight timer. Um, And you can also like go through a 12 step program to learn the principles of personal growth, of personal responsibility, of taking inventory of your resentments, of making amends, of learning how to communicate. Nonviolent communication is also a really low budget way to do it. I happen to compile all of those things in once. I've found little ways and tricks to make it much more efficient to learn. But if you don't have that option, fine you know, no pressure. It's some people really don't have the means. Um, I offer also lots of free resources for the same reason. I want people to be able to access this information. So breathing number one, don't forget to breathe, learn how to breathe. That's essential. Um, it's, there's a reason why it's one of the eight limbs of yoga. Yoga is a 5,000 year old practice. 
we think we think of yoga as the asana, as the as the postures that you do in a maybe a hot room. But there are all these other practices that you can bring into your life. If you, you know, buy a yoga book for $10, you can learn about all the other ways. So there's there's tons of ways to access this these resources for sure. I was just thinking now um, of the fact that I don't think I've heard anyone explain so well the importance of breath work, even though we've talked about it also in our first interview. Um, I've had an episode on uh, mindfulness and we did the meditation session live and we talked about it as well. But understanding the importance of connecting with yourself through your breath is, yeah, just a yeah, and super let's important. demonstrate this. Let's demonstrate this for a second because people are listening and watching, and I want you guys to see how fundamental and core our breath is to us. If I say inhale and I go, <sighs> did you breathe with me? Mm-hmm. Of course you did, because it's where we are intrinsically connected with one another. And when we stop breathing or control our breath, we get to buy into the story that we're separate. But when we're all breathing together, inhale, exhale, suddenly we're all here. Everyone is here. It's really that simple. It is the origin of, it's the original thought, you know, like it's just, it's the origin of all that exists is breath. And that is an important thing to remember because when you're triggered, it's usually the first thing that goes out the window. And if you remember to breathe, you know, write it on your arm, tattoo it on your forearm, whatever it needs. Remember to breathe. Yes. I think uh, this will be a very uh, resource uh, full episode with a lot of, uh, <laughs> a lot of uh, notes in the description. So check that out as well. Thank you so much, Antisa. I would love to uh, focus now on the peak of our interview, the uh, interesting part that is yet to come about um, whether it is wrong to do something, even though you feel it's not representing you entirely. Right. Like you're not necessarily potentiated in your life. Great. So this is essential because I want to talk about how it works. Like the people who are watching and listening to this there, let's consider you already awake. You're already aware that you're looking for something. And so, you know, that whole hashtag woke AF thing, like that's not just a joke. It's marketed merch, whatever it is. But if you're seeking something, you're already awake. And when you have a realization, so again, I'm going to be really deliberate with words here. When you have a realization that you have a potential that you're not meeting, or you have a need that you're not meeting, this is a big one for, for people who work with me because everyone doesn't want to talk about their needs because they think, I have a need. Now I have to meet it. My life doesn't accommodate me meeting that need. What the heck am I going to do now? And there is a delta between the realization and the actualization. So that's normal. And I'll use my own life as an example. I think I told this story on the last interview. I was working in banking and it was about eight years into my career where I literally blinked one day. I was staring at Excel, putting really fancy formulas into an Excel spreadsheet, budgeting a 400 million euro budget for a bank. And I had the thought, this can't possibly be the thing that I'm going to spend the rest of my life doing. What the heck am I doing with my life? And I'd been there for eight years and I'd gone through the whole cycle of, you know, I'm 
a financial manager, like how fancy that is. I work in investment banking, look at how special I am to going to yoga teacher training when I was about four years into my career, because I really wanted to take my practice deeper, which was this other part of me that wasn't being met in banking. And then having this realization and compounded by that is that I was on a work visa in Denmark and I was sponsored by my bank. And so if I were to quit my job in that moment, I would have to leave the country. And I had uprooted my whole life to move here. And so that wasn't an option. And so I felt really stuck. And because I didn't have anybody guiding me, I immediately started to panic about it. Like I was just like, oh crap, like, you know, what do I do? And it wasn't for another, I think, um, four years total that I eventually left banking to start my company. And for two years, I was in an existential crisis about knowing that I wasn't supposed to be there and not knowing where I was supposed to be instead. So there, there was this huge two-year delta where I had no clue what I was here to do, but I knew it wasn't banking. And I felt like such an imposter during those two years. And so it's like, I couldn't even make eye contact with the people that I was working with every day because I felt like a liar. And if I had had somebody say what I'm about to say to you, then I would have spared myself so much emotional turmoil. <laughs> and it is that it is okay to have a job that is not your vocation. And many people do it. I am so blessed to be in my vocation now, but it took me years to get there. There is a difference between a job, a career, and a vocation. And the challenge that many people have is that they get out of school. This is especially true in Europe where you do many years of education that is singularly pointing you towards one track is you start your education a little bit later in your twenties, or you start your career a little bit later in your twenties. And if you get that flash, let's say you're 30, 32 years old, which is how I, how old I was. And you think to yourself, um, oh crap, like you think I have to start all over again. And then you think that you're a newborn baby and it's not helpful to think in that way. Um, but because society has geared you towards, you have a career and this is your career path. You don't understand that it's possible to, to sort of downgrade the idea you have about what you do to a job without thinking that it has less value for you. And the truth is, is that most people are not in the, their vocation because we haven't been educated in that way. You know, we've all gone to the same public education where we're institutionalized towards the idea of a career path. And that's starting to break apart now with, you know, technology being what it is and people moving towards entrepreneurship. But um, your career is not necessarily your vocation. That's okay. You can make your career a job while you figure out what your vocation is. Or you can make it your job while you figure out a different career and have your vocation be something that you're not paid for. And that's still not necessarily a hobby. And um, Elizabeth Gilbert has a video about this. I'll give you the link to this to put in the show notes where she really breaks down hobby, job, career, vocation in a way that I thought was so extraordinarily helpful. And if businesses were open to having these transparent conversations with their employees, they would waste a lot less time too, because an employee who knows that they're here just to do their job versus an employee who feels so passionately about what they do, you're going to invest in them differently. You're going to give them different responsibilities, but it doesn't mean that they're um, obsolete or redundant just because they're here for one versus the other or one of the other two. So that's the thing that I would say is like, there's always going to be a Delta learn to sit with the discomfort of knowing that you're not there yet 
and um, be open to being surprised. Mm. I love it. I think you pointed out something very special, and that is the word vocation that we haven't really talked about that much uh, now, uh, at least until now. And my next question is, um, how do we cope with the idea that we do not know what we want? Maybe it just doesn't, you try and it just doesn't happen. You just don't know. How do we cope? Can we do something to find out if not like it have you had experiences of, of of you know clients of yours that you worked with and they were like I still don't know what I want to do how do we cope with that and what are some ways to 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 move fo forward I love that question um and it's true that I think that most of my clients come to me in some version of that that's partly why like they know that they need help because they can't they have exhausted their resources in terms of figuring out what they want um, and they need help finding out what they want. Um, one of the seemingly counterintuitive skill sets that I work on with my clients is really learning to be curious and learning how to listen because um, you can't intellectualize the thing that you're here to do for your vocation. So if you're looking to um, feel that sense of arrival in your life um, or becoming of stepping into the thing that you're here to do on this planet, like from a soul level, from a universal level, that means you need to get out of the way. And so it's not an intellectual, intellectual process. It is an intuitive one. And so learning how to do something really, really basic, like um, one of the ones that I find to be really helpful is to start asking yourself yes or no questions about your life or have someone else ask you so that you can weed out the things in your life that don't need to be there that are not supportive of where you want to go. I encourage doing dream work and inquiring. You've done this exercise, inquiring into your dreams so that you can get some answers or get some clues. And so being willing to ask for help to no one in specific is a great way to get clarity. And a lot of people are afraid to do that. You know, it's like kind of like talking to God. And if you have judgment about religion, that can shut down the whole part of you that is required for you to take that kind of leap, which is faith. You need to have faith that there are um, opportunities for you, that you have possibility that you can't see, that there are aspects of yourself that you don't know to cultivate and that they're not cloven hooves, but in fact, like radiant brilliance that you can't, that you're blind to. And you need to learn how to ask for help and you need to be willing to not know Because if you use intellectual resources, you will be inherently limited. And so that's what I would say to do if you feel uncomfortable and also just learn how to feel discomfort because stepping into your vocation is a very uncomfortable journey. And if you don't have the capacity to feel discomfort, you're not going to get very far. Mm. Discomfort is um, something that you don't really get as an advice when you go and ask your doctor about um, how can I get healthy. They'll never tell you just wait or you know. Mm -hmm. the, uh, the 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 main the main point here is kind of understanding that some of the situations you have in life, um, if not all of them, they're teachers, and that you should really try to be with it. And feel okay with the fact that uh, sometimes we fail, sometimes we don't know, sometimes we might uh, have a bad day and imagine that the world is ending, but you go to sleep and then tomorrow is going to be okay. And those are situations that we're not really encouraged to 
just experience often. We're encouraged to just try to um, um, delete it from our memories and from totally. And that's days. quite literal experience for most people. They just want to like hit delete and adversity. Adversity is a primary ingredient to transformation. It's required. And mm. um, I like to tell people, I think this has also become, because I come from a background where I had lots of trauma and um, I'm really fortunate that I also had a mindset that told me that there must be a reason why I have these experiences. And it took me 30 years to realize that my experiences were excellent teachers for other people. You know, like I didn't know that, but I was in my experience and I really felt like there was no other experience I could have been having. And this is the thing to remember if you experience a lot of challenge in your life or even a little bit of challenge is that it's a teacher. It's here to, to hone you and to refine you. And the more honing and refining, the better you get more precise, you get more clear. I'm a very clear person now, and I'm only 39 years old. And my clarity, you said this before we even started recording, my clarity is palpable. And, and I have worked hard to get that clarity. And I've also challenged hard. I've had lots of adversity in my life. I've had lots of failure, lots of needing to pick myself up by my bootstraps over and over and over again. And I am very good at being with discomfort. And I think that that is a really important skill set is to learn how to not check out or numb pain, to actually be able to put your attention on it and say, this is really uncomfortable and I'm showing up for it. Well, that's a, a very interesting and a good piece of advice that a lot of people will find um maybe we'll question. And I'm curious how many of, of our listeners will follow it. So please write us and tell us what do you think about this interview that is uh, going uh, all over and, you know, so much advice, so much good uh, content about really thinking about your, yourself as um, a person that only needs to be unlocked and nothing needs to come from the outside. Nothing, nothing needs to, uh, no uh, sacred light needs to just shine on you because you already you already have it within you what final reflections Antisa do you want to share with our listeners who really want to tackle this topic of unlocking their potential what are some what is one thing that they should take from this interview I would say be willing to not know I think humility is a, a lost medicine and I say medicine and not art because you can't um, manufacture humility. It comes from genuinely putting yourself in situations where you don't know, and you don't have the answer. And a lot of people don't go there because humiliation and embarrassment are really close friends, but, um, the actual experience of being humbled by something is heart opening. It's, it cracks you open and it shows you the mystery of the universe And it's very, very powerful medicine for a journey where you're really trying to step into yourself fully and feel whole and be of service from that place, which I think is a much more resonant thing to consider and have a conversation about today than it was even two years ago, because people have had a really like a, an opportunity to sit back and ask themselves, why am I here on this planet? You know, like, I don't want to waste time anymore. People have been sitting still for two years and they're hungry and chomping at the bit to go do something with their lives. And we have 
an abundant access to information because of technology. And as a result, we've put a lot of value on information and data. And I think it's really been unhelpful for the human spirit that that is the case. However, what it's doing is really opening up an opportunity to exalt what we don't know if you're willing to look there. And that for me is where all the juice is in blazing your own trail and uh, unlocking your potential is consider the reality that there is not a single person on the planet who can see all of themselves. We need one another in order to reflect that. We're not designed to live in isolation. So that's been really hard. We need to recover from that, get back into the world, allow people to reflect to us what we can't see about ourselves and be willing to go into inquiry about that and be humbled by it. And that is very, very powerful medicine for growth. Wow. Thank you so much, Antisa. Um, I think this interview overall was just such an eye-opener for, for many people listening. And um, I do want to sum up with the fire five questions um, where you will also share some uh, last pieces of advice and recommendations for everyone. So let's start um, fire five final questions. One answer for each question straight to the point where you, where you share your, your answer. What is one book you think everyone should read? Tiny Beautiful Things by Cheryl Strayed. What is the best piece? Uh, no, <laughs> I want to add a link and then people can, uh, can, uh, can uh, check it out and, and, and read it. What is the best piece of advice you have ever received? Be willing to say, I don't know, but I will go find out. Who is your role model? My guru, Shanti Mai. If you were to have another career, what would, it, what would you choose to do? Filmmaker or director. Wow. <laughs> if you could change places with someone, who would it be and why? No. You don't want to change places with someone? No. I love well, my life. This is a first. That's, that's, <laughs> that's awesome to hear, honestly. Um, thank you so much for, for sharing all of these questions. Um, we're at the end, Antisa. You were very gracious with your time again. Thank you so much. Um, please tell people where they can find you so they know more about your business and, uh, and uh, where they can find your wisdom online. You can follow me on Facebook. I am the only Antisa, so I'm really easy to find as long as you have the spelling of my first name. Um, definitely follow. Uh, there's lots of followers on there I share publicly, so you can see all of my information there. Sign up for my newsletter. I have really special things that are only for newsletter people. I am launching some new special things only for newsletter people. I call them my love notes. They're always relevant, beautiful stories, personal stories um, on my website, which is antisajensen.com. I'm on LinkedIn. You're welcome to connect with me there and Instagram. And I think that's it. <laughs> Perfect. I have Thank Twitter, you so much. but I don't tweet very often. So I Perfect. won't give you that. Many options, many options. So I hope yeah. uh, listeners will go and find you. And of course, I'll share all the links like I did the last time. Go listen to this interview. Go listen to the first interview we've had a year ago to the live Q&A that we've shared. So uh, you will find a lot of wisdom shared by Antisa. And thank you again, Antisa, for joining us today. Thank you. It's my pleasure. Thank you all for listening and uh, stay tuned for more updates with uh, interviews with female role models. We hope you've enjoyed this episode of Fem Lead Podcast. Share the news with your friends and follow us on social media at Fem Lead Podcast Everywhere.